Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Okay, Beeks, I, I, you know, I always have all these questions for you, but this one, this one is going to, like, really <laughs> get you comes. thinking. Here it comes. Do you ever just stop and truly take inventory of, well, basically auditing yourself to see if you are a control freak? Why would I want to do that? And that sounded like I was acu- accused. That was a very accusatory, like, hello, do you ever, like, look at yourself? Yeah, are you, trying to, are you trying to subtly tell me something by that? Like, have you ever thought that maybe, yeah. Maybe it's time you take a look and see that you're a control freak. And you know what? That could be a sign that maybe there's some control issues. Uh, I'm just saying, when we do that. Yes. I'm just saying. No, you know what? When you put the word freak with control, that's kind of freaky. Um, that sounds really um, not not good. You know, it's like, who wants to be a freak? And then you put control with it. And so that's not a good combination. And and I don't think any of us, the problem, I don't think anyone or any of us see ourselves as a control freak. We would not put that label on us. But in the next, you know, on this show and in the next, you know, few minutes we have together, we're going to kind of unpack that and see what does it look like? Could we possibly be a control freak? And what if maybe we saw some signs in ourselves and maybe we could um, start being more self-aware? I think that's what you're kind of trying to say by inventory. Is that? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And you, it, it is funny because like you said, I don't think you really even think of it that way. But I look at, you know, just the conversations that I have with my friends and and you and I, just as we're chatting with other women, um, as you get older, you start realizing what you are trying to control because there's so many people that rely on you that you have to almost (laughs) have your hand in it or you feel out of control. Right. I just, I was laughing with you this morning because you and I have both been traveling like crazy and I was in Washington. My daughter called and she was sick and she was like, will you just sing to me, sing me asleep? And that was like, that was a picture. It's like, okay, I want to know what songs were you singing? (laughs) (laughs) I can't really picture you sitting in the hotel room singing over the phone. That that's just a funny image. And yeah, Yeah, I like that. You're laying in bed and it's like all of these songs, like every single song I could think of that my mom used to sing to me that I've now, you know, uh, been singing to my children. But you're just laying there, just pulling out these lyrics and uh, you realize, you know, maybe a quarter of every single song from from the ones that you learned as a kid all the way through high school, but you can never really finish a complete song. Uh, but you you just... You have to have a little bit of control, I think, but then you realize at what point do you just go, okay, this is your journey. God created you to be this way, and I'm here to guide and breathe into it and pray with you and pray over you, but I have to, you know, 
give it to God. And it's really easy to say that, oh, I surrender you over to the Lord. And then you wake up in your in your morning going, I have to control you because <laughs> you're not, you know, I just asked you yesterday to not put a wet towel over the sink because it like leans over the, the cabinet and ruins the wood. And you get an okay, I get it. I do not want to ruin the wood, mom. I, I'm so sorry. And the next morning you go in there and I know you're shocked by this, but guess where the towel is? I can only imagine. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's not on the towel rack, right? It's like, what, what part of this that it's going to ruin and warp the wood cabinets? Did you not, you know, really hear? And where did all that, I am so sorry, it won't happen again, come in. So then you feel, I have to control you. So how do I control you? I guess maybe taking your phone will help you remember that that's not where the tiles go. <laughs> well, okay, I'm going to stop you right there because before we get too far into our non-controlling show, um, we want to remind everyone that they're listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty White and Lisa Jernigan where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show, about everything you want to know about being a control freak or not um, on our website at girlfriendit.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Okay, you know what's funny? And t- th- just now when you were like, oh, by the way, let me let me control this conversation and jump yeah. into. Let me take it back. Let me tell our listeners what they're listening to. I, I You just forget. We're just having this conversation. It's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> we're doing radio. So we do want to um, get back into that conversation. And I just want to know, what what point did you maybe even think, okay, maybe I am trying to control my family or control whatever? Or did you ever feel that way, Lise? Well, I think, I think when your husband gently tells you something like, um, you know, sometimes you, you, you want your way a lot, you know, and it, it says it in a nice way. And it's like, you don't realize like, okay, I just chose the restaurant. I chose what we're going to wear. I mean, you know, it's like, I think you need to dress a little, you know, or whatever, just little things. You don't realize like how many like little commands and they're not commands. They don't come out that way. But it's like, sometimes you realize I just, I did just make every decision for this evening and Mm -hmm. I kind of customized it my way without even realizing it because mm-hmm. sometimes like even like my husband is like he doesn't really care but then when you hear it some back that way you go okay I didn't even ask him you know what would you like to do what would you and so sometimes you know just being that self-aware to go you know you choose I don't care because sometimes they're so accommodating but then we take that too far and so I think that's in my life where I see that sometimes and I know that sounds I don't know insignificant but I think a lot of times um, people that like to control don't even realize that they're doing that because I don't think we intentionally try to be a control freak. We just start kind of gradually, slowly taking over things by making certain decisions and we justify it by saying, but I'm, I'm offering constructive criticism. And so we preface it and frame it in that way. But in, if, in reality, if you peel it back, is that being a control? I think those are just questions to kind of think about when you when you think about how much do I have to control my environment? You know, we laugh because, um, you know, I'm, I'm so into the ambiance of a place and we go into a restaurant. My husband now is so great because he'll just go, OK, you choose where we're going to sit because I know your feng shui has to work. And you and me laugh about that. OK, we have to have a certain table. Even the other day. You, we were meeting for, for breakfast, and you got there ahead of me, and I came and sat down. And you're like, 
I'm sure your feng shui is not going to be working right here. <laughs> and I'm like, no, actually, it's fine. It's fine. But it's like you really that is a little form of trying to control the environment, you know, because mm-hmm. we want it. And we live in such a customized world where you can have things your way, you know, your coffee at Starbucks, you know, so customized and everything. And then I think sometimes we take that and we we translate that into other areas of our life that we try to control in that way, which affects other people. Mm-hmm. And their their decision making and their rights, and so I think it is good to be self aware, and even to be aware of our words. I know, um, just we use controlling words like "you need" or "you should" or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, "give me" rather than open open ended questions. And I think some of that in our formative years, uh, depending on even the generation, if you look at a lot of the baby boomers, they were raised by the the more matures or the radio age, which was like 80% military. So mm-hmm. you come from this uh, background of author- you know, the authoritarian or very, I know my dad was Navy and your dad was Navy. And then my dad went on to be a cop. So that's a, v- a very authoritative background mm-hmm. where you're told you need to be up by eight. You need to have this claimed. You need to, and there is a list of you need, and now we're realizing, hey, we can kind of operate not so much in that military setting, but a more uh, like diplomatic, and uh, it doesn't have to be the dictatorship. And I think that changes too when you start mm-hmm. realizing that, like even my my words that I'm telling people rather than asking them. Um, you know, just for their input. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think, you know, everybody has their own perception of what a control freak is and what a controlling person looks like. And I think we tend to measure it by the extreme where you can, uh, you know, you can just tell that they're a controlling person. But then do we have, you know, an attitude of control in us or do we have a controlling spirit? To maybe it's not so obvious, but in the little ways we are controlling. And I think that's where we need to kind of, like you said earlier, take inventory and kind of audit ourselves. Because, you know, like one of the ways I think um, that we maybe have a controlling spirit is, um, and this I would never think of, but it's like, do we change who we are and what we believe so that someone will accept us? Mm. That's becoming kind of controlling, but we would not label that. Well, that's, I'm, I'm being a control freak, but you know what? I think we're all are guilty. I know I'm guilty of that. Sometimes you, you, you modify yourself just, you know, for acceptance sometimes in a room or whatever. And instead of just being ourselves, you know, and, but we try to control it, even so that we can be liked. And I, and I think that's an interesting perception of control. And so I don't, I don't think it's always the obvious things. Sometimes it's the little things where we try to control and um, kind of distort things a little bit. Well, that's why I am excited that our next, uh, well, our guest, um, Shannon Popkin, where she looks at control from the seven women in the Bible. So that's going to be such an interesting topic on how do you look at, you know, these women that we've, we've heard about, we've read about some of us all through our, you know, childhood and going through scripture to really dive in to go, oh, okay. Guess what? There was control freaks in the Bible as well. 
<laughs> then I'm in good company. Is that what you're trying to say? Exactly. <laughs> you know what's so funny about this? Because this will be a great conversation. Because I don't think any of us see ourselves as controlling, and that's maybe where we need to ask somebody, like a good friend, and and our our you know our significant other or spouse, and go. Do you see a controlling spirit in me? Um, and so, you know, and be willing to learn from it and to hear and to, to get the feedback. Because I don't think any one of us want to see ourselves or be that person. Um, but it's, you know, how do we be self-aware? But it's learning through others and learning through stories. So we're excited to learn from our next guest, Shannon Popkin. But we're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back with Girlfriend at Radio. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's words you never heard. One of my favorite books is called Forgotten English by author Jeffrey Kaser, who looks at the origins and histories of the language. For example, take the term Fritterbohn. That's an old English expression, probably borrowed from German, that means fleeting weeks and refers to what we call a honeymoon. A fribbler is a guy who doesn't ever make it to the honeymoon. The word fribbler comes from the 18th century and refers to a man who is in love with a woman but just won't commit to marriage. Chaucer coined the term pigasnia, which comes from the phrase pig's eye to mean sweetheart. Hey guys, why don't you try that one and your girlfriend and see how it goes? It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back, all of you out there that are trying to control your day. Hopefully, you're able to uh, listen in while you're running around controlling your household. And we're excited to have Shannon Popkin. She's a writer, speaker, and Bible teacher, as well as a regular contributor for the Revive Our Hearts True Women blog and the Dove Foundation's Parenting blog. Her articles have been published by Family Fun, 
Focus on the Family, Mom Sense, and recently her new book, Control Girl, Lessons on Surrendering Your Burden of Control from Seven Women in the Bible. So welcome, Shannon. How are you today? Hi, great. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on the show. Yes, we're excited to hear, um, especially just all your research that you um, have obviously dived into the women in the Bible to know that there are other, you know, control freaks out there. It's not just our our first world issue. <laughs> so, no. Um, You've been married for 20 years, and you have three teens, so I'm, I'm sure, especially in those teenage years, um, I, I have one myself in the, in the teen years, and Lisa is continuously reminding me that uh, this too shall pass. So I uh, just want to hear a little bit about at what point that you decided to write this book. Was it before the, the teenage years? You know, I think um, I have always kind of wanted to control things, especially when it comes to my kids. Um, I remember when my daughter was a little girl, it just drove me crazy the way her hair would hang in her bang or her bangs would hang in her eyes. And I thought, oh, my goodness, it never has bothered me ever before to see a little girl's hair hanging in her eyes. But my daughter, you, you know, like there's just something about our own kids. And so when they were little, it was little things I wanted to control. And now that they're bigger, there are bigger things I'd like to control. The problem isn't going away. Um, but thankfully, the Lord is ch- changing me, helping me to see my problem. And and I want to go on the path from control girl to Jesus girl. <laughs> I love that. You know, it's funny. I know in your book, you talk about when you first married your, your husband and I just, there has to be so many women out there that are listening that relate to your story of you were the social queen. So you're just going, going, going. And my first year of marriage, that and I had no idea that I was trying to control. It was just that change, the difference of I was so social and I stayed up really late at night to the point where I'd have all my friends, my college friends come over and we would do sleepovers when I was married. <laughs> and I, I didn't think that the <laughs> normal and uh it's funny because my husband would go to bed because he gets up so early in the morning and it was like how in the world do you go to bed at 10 or 11 o'clock at night when you have a pile full of friends in your house like I just could not fathom that and in his mind he's like you be you but I'm gonna go be me and go to bed because I have to get up early (laughs) in the morning. And it took me a good year to figure out that, oh, we are two separate people and he can do that. And I can still, you know, have my friends, but you do have to compromise. So I loved your story about how you had to um, figure that part out as well. Right. So let me ask, was there tension then? Like, did you like try to have him stay up with your friends? Was there tension over that with you guys? Oh, 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 Shannon, absolutely. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I all my friends into the bed because I'm like, oh, he, he won't go to sleep when he sees how much fun we're having. And he would just, you know, we'd all jump on the bed and do dog piles. It's like, we're fun. You can't go to sleep. And then he would just roll over like, okay, you guys can leave now. And I would, I would, you know, eventually we would leave and I would think, I cannot believe you're being a party pooper in front of my friends. 
So tons of tension. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just thought like, I wanted to doubly enjoy all of my social interactions because I wanted him with me and that's not what he wanted. <laughs> so yeah, in, in my marriage too, especially early on, it was creating all of this tension because I just had this idea of how it would be when we were married. You know, we would, I would do all of the same things I was doing plus one. <laughs> and mm-hmm. yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't so into that. <laughs> yes. Well, did you have like um, kind of like that aha epiphany moment um, that you realized, okay, I might have an issue here with this and kind of took you down the path of kind of we talked about taking inventory and kind of just being self-aware of some things that maybe you hadn't been aware of? Yeah, you know, for me, it was sort of a gradual awakening to see that my problem was actually control. I knew I had a problem with anger. God had been opening my eyes to anger, and I knew that I had a problem with worry and anxiety. Uh, but there's this one day I was driving in the car, and I was listening to Dee Breston on the radio, and she was talking about the sin beneath the sin and how sometimes um, there's this core sin that's feeding these surface level sins. And so she mentioned the sin of control. And in an instant, I knew that was my problem. And so I, I started connecting my anger. You know, when I would feel the anger rising in me or I would feel the anxiety starting to come to the surface, I started connecting those, like asking myself, okay, is there a control issue here? Is there something I'm trying to control? Or is there something I feel like I'm losing control of? And just making that connection was so helpful and still is really helpful because I feel like um, that that really opens my eyes to all of the things that I am trying to control. So I would say, yeah, it was a slow dawn, but, um, but yeah, definitely in the last like five years, God has, has really been opening my eyes to how, mon- how many things I would like to control but can't. <laughs> hmm. So, so as you started discovering and becoming more self-aware of like, well, maybe that is a control thing. How did you, did that change your prayer life? What, what, what was it that you are just becoming more self-aware and stopping yourself? Like, oh, wow, I'm starting to do this. And maybe this is an act of trying to control the situation. How did you start gradually undoing that? Yeah. You know, I think Um, For me, when I'm, like, right in the middle of losing it with anger or worry or that's that's really not the most effective time to work on my control issues, Um, I, I feel like it's best to back up a few steps and, like you said, yeah, my prayer life and um, my thought life. So the things that um, could could potentially lead me into blowing blowing up in anger, um, you know, like with my husband, uh, maybe maybe I was like frustrated all day long that he left his clothes on the floor or he left his oatmeal, you know, in the sink or, you know what I mean, all those little tiny things all day long. And so letting the anger just kind of build in me, build in me, build in me. And then he walks through the door and, and, and he's like, baby, I just got home. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I've been frustrated with you all day long. And so for me, it's helpful to go back to those first moments that I saw the clothes on the floor or the, the light bulb that he didn't change or whatever and, and start in those moments to work on my heart 
and because I can't just put a filter over my mouth, my controlling mouth, or I can't just stop the anxiety. But but if I can trace it back to its beginning, and in those beginnings, the, the very first thoughts or the very first ideas that start to form my heart that wants to take control, and in those moments, work on surrendering to God over and over, laying down the things that I would like to control, and, and instead being grateful for what I do have and grateful that I have a God who's in control and grateful also for the future that God has already um, mapped out. I know that the ending is going to be happy. And so I don't have to control everything and get us to the happy ending that I have in mind. Mm. That I think that's such a great attitude to take. And and, that, and so much of it is self-awareness. And it's really hard. Like you said, you go, go back to, okay, when did the start in the beginning of the day? And it's like, we're building and stewing. And it's, it's, like you said, it's piling up. And then he walks in the door and he has no idea. It's like, wow, this is a <laughs> volcano that just erupted. But to go back and go, uh, you know, it's like, okay, we have this volcano. We've been working on this all day long. Um, yeah. But Does that happen to you too? <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like, and a lot of times we major on the minor things. It's those little things, like you said, that, you know, they didn't do or you wish you would have done and that you notice. And, and it's like, okay, really, does this matter? In the big picture, does this right. really matter? Just pick this up or just wash the bowl or, or whatever. But I think a lot of times we do focus on that one little thing. And which, like you said before, it's, it's probably a sign of something else, you know, that's inside of us that, you know, it, it kind of triggers something. Or we, it's maybe yeah. an unresolved thing that we haven't had a conversation about. Maybe we should have had a conversation about something else a while ago that then this wouldn't bother us. But, if, you know, going back to keeping our conversations current with each other. Um, and, you know, so you're dealing with things as they happen. You're not letting them build up until they do erupt. And then it's like a major thing. So I think um, that's what I find for me. It's like sometimes you just don't want to deal with little things. Um, and it's like if you just deal with them and go, hey, I just want to make you, you know, aware that this, you know, was a little frustrating to me. It's not a big deal. I just got to get it out, you know, process out loud a little bit. And then, then when they do something next time, it doesn't, it's not so monumental. Right. Yeah. And I think too, that when we're, when we're trying to control these little things, so many times for me, I'm projecting out further than just this one little thing, you know, Mm -hmm. or I'm, I'm enlarging it. I'm making it, I'm like saying, do you think I'm your slave? You know, do you think, do you so disrespect me that you don't even care that I asked you to put your bowl in the dishwasher? You know, I make it so much bigger. I'm worrying about how I'm being respected or how I'm being perceived or with my kids, I'm worrying about the future so much. So much of my anxiety has to do with what I'm projecting. You know, oh my goodness, it drives me so crazy when my kids pick their nose when they were little. Like, oh, I would make it such a big deal because, but I was worried, like, what if someone sees you doing that? What if, what if you're teased in school? Well, then you're going to have, you know, all of these issues with low self-esteem and, and you're not going to, you know, I mean, I would just make nose picking into this monumental thing. And yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think it's just focusing um, in the moment on the small thing and not making it bigger, knowing, you know, we have the end of the story is already written. We don't have to make sure that every single thing is in place because we know the end. It's good. And so we can relax and just. Well, Shannon, that's a great place to stop. We're going to stop right there and take a quick break. We'll be right back with Girlfriend It Radio. 
This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90-plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a -a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. The sales of standing desks have reportedly soared, and many believe it's not a fad. Standing upright at your desk rather than sitting while you work may lessen shoulder and back pain. Harvard Medical School suggests that if you begin using a standing desk, stand in short increments. Don't go from sitting all day to standing all day. Set a timer for 30 to 60 minutes to remind you when to stand or sit. While studies show that you may not burn many more calories if you stand at your desk rather than sit, the other benefits are worth it. Standing helps with focus and concentration. Be sure to keep your shoulders back, don't slump, and keep your abdomen pulled in. Keeping your core engaged and your alignment steady, you too will experience the benefits of a standing desk. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Talking with author of Control Girl, Shannon Popkin. And Shannon, before we went into the break, um, just talking about you were saying uh, wanting to control even your, your kids. And it's the image thing of, hey, don't pick your nose. There's so many things that could come, come around <laughs> with, with the, the consequences of this. And, you know, we do that without even thinking about that. You're watching your child play in the sandbox. And when they're throwing sand... Rather than thinking, you know, even though you might be going, oh, that poor child that just had sand poured in their hair, you're you're more <laughs> into that, oh, no, uh, you know, the image thing, they're not going to want to play with my child. Uh, the parents are looking at me like I'm a horrible parent, that this is the behavior of my child. I mean, just so many emotions that, that go in into play there. So uh, what, once again, Lisa asked us, like, what? I, I, I know, you know, we always come back to, okay, you just have to pray. You just have to keep surrendering that. But what you dove in and started looking at, at scripture and, um, just the, the women in the Bible and what, give us some of the insight that you came up with, with that. Yeah. So the first, uh, control girl in the Bible, if you will, that, that really piqued my interest was Eve. 
And um, I think it's so interesting, you know, that God put this tree in the middle of the garden because when I don't want my kids to have something, when I'm trying to control my kids, I don't put the thing in the middle of the room or the middle of the counter. I tuck it away where they can't see it. But God put this tree right in the middle, maybe like right where all the, the paths converged. And he said, as you enjoy everything else, say, you know, surrender this tree to me. And, I, you know, I think that tree was posing a question. God was saying, will you let me be in control? Will you let me be God in your life? And, you know, of course, we know the rest of the story. Uh, Eve refused that. She said, no, I'm going to take control. I think I can do a better job of being God, if you will. And she took the fruit. And, uh, and, and then it wasn't okay. It wasn't just like nothing happened. That's when the curse happened. That's when the fall happened. And and in the words that God spoke over Eve, he said, um, your desire will be for your husband. And this desire, it's a desire for control. And so for me, understanding that, like really understanding what God was saying to her, it was like being diagnosed with this degenerative disease passed on from generations back. I was like, oh my goodness, it all makes sense. No wonder I'm trying to control everything. No wonder I am keeping on the burden of the world of trying to keep everything going the way that I see fit. It's because I'm living under this curse. And so um, I just thought, man, if I could look at the women in the Bible, the, the first daughters of Eve, and see how they lived under this curse and what lessons there are to be learned and what um, new insights about God, maybe I could get some, some better footing in my own problem with control. Yeah, you know, it, it's just like we were talking earlier, um, even before the show, how you, you truly don't understand that it's an issue. And when you, when you look at it from that perspective, that this is all from the fall and it's just trickling down on us, I think it's important to do that that's you know self audit and see their that epiphany of oh wow I am trying to control things because unless you're aware of it you're not even you know asking God to reveal this to you of where you need to let go and and give it to God because some things you do have to control you know some things you have to and, and control is a strong word but you have to um be able to to plan it out and take action and and you know have an action plan for your day or you can that can be very haphazard as well yeah absolutely um, let's come back to that thought about what we do have to control, but I wanted to just comment on what you said about not being um, aware or realizing that we have become controlling or we, we're becoming, you know, controlling. I had this moment where God just really opened my eyes to that. Um, some years ago, I was leading Bible study, and I asked the women in my group to share a prayer request about a relationship struggle that they were having. And I thought maybe some might share about parenting or marriage. But interestingly, that day, every single woman shared about either a very controlling mom or a very controlling mother-in-law. And yeah. as they were talking, they just were so burdened by these tense, um, difficult relationships. And I felt like God was saying to me, 
you know, maybe this is, is this what you want to become? Do you want to become like this burden to your family? Because he was already showing me the seeds of this problem that I have with control. And I don't think these older women and their families, they didn't set out to be this way. Who sets out to be that way? You know, to be the woman that's like overbearing and causing everyone grief and, and to be miserable. Like none of us want to be that way. But I do think it's this problem that just happens over time if we, if we don't name it and if we don't um, have our eyes open to it. I asked the women in, the, in my group that day, I said, you guys, how do we make sure that we don't become them? Like how do we make sure in 10 or 15 years it's not our daughters and our daughter-in-law sitting around this table asking for prayer about us? And that's really what prompted me to write the book. Mm. You know, it, that is so funny, Shannon, because um, I recently, uh, my dad had wanted me to um, come see him. And there was a little bit of guilt that was put on me and um, manipulation. <laughs> and I, mm-hmm. I was talking to my siblings and I said, let's promise each other, you know, that we're going to let each other know when we start doing that to our children. And within five minutes, I had called my own son who just bought a house down the street. <laughs> and uh, I was like, you know, you said you were coming over for dinner. And anyway, he had changed his plans. And I was like, well, wait. But you already said you were coming over, and I did exactly the same thing. That because you don't see it when you're doing it; no. it just makes sense when you're doing it, you know. And uh, yeah, I just thought, yeah. oh, okay, you're heading down a pretty bad path if you <laughs> just said it what? five minutes later. You're doing what it. What a great example! I love that. I love that, and it's so true. I, my pastor said one time. Sin always feels like it's sin when it's being done to us, but it never feels like sin when we're doing it to someone else. (laughs) I think that's so true with our control problem. Mm -hmm. Well, what I've learned is just in my, you know, the controlling, um, and I, I honestly never even thought of it as controlling, is that I want it done my way. Um, Like Lisa had mentioned, you know, the oatmeal you had mentioned the oatmeal, you know, in the bowl. And she was like, okay, at what point do you go just wash the bowl? And I I remember I was with some girlfriends and I was working and they were staying at home. And it was really, there was a lot of tension there because of emptying the trash and it would just start overflowing. And they would get so upset that their husband wasn't emptying the trash and they would walk in and they would see it. It's like, how could you not see this, that the trash needs to be emptied? And I just, because I was working, I thought, you know, I know how that feeling when you come home and you're so overwhelmed with everything that happened in your day. And sometimes you just don't want to get to some of the activities that need to take place at home. So I right. said, you know, one thing you could do is just go empty the trash. <laughs> and <laughs> we laugh about that now because she was like, oh, you know, that we become so, you know, into our roles and we want it done our way that no, that was your role. You were supposed to empty, empty the trash. And what does that look like if those things that are bothering me the most, it takes two seconds just to get it done, but we expect it to be done our way. And uh, that's, that's such a good point. I, I think um, 
we see we limit ourselves to our own perspective, don't we? So much, so much of the time, of the way we think is right and the way we think is good, and we we just put that over on other people and make our expectations theirs, and and that is really controlling, right? I mean, that is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and that that's such a good point about the you know the controlling moms and the controlling mother-in-laws that that's an, has been an ongoing you know, joke now for generations. And yet we know that. And, and what are we doing to make sure we're not going to be that person? And I remember being with a friend who I was watching her with her grandbaby and her daughter. And I could tell that she didn't necessarily agree with what her daughter was doing with the grandbaby. And I was so impressed that she just kept her mouth shut. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Imagine that. Don't, you don't always have to say everything that's going through your mind because you did it differently to just go, you know what, unless they ask you, just let them be. It's one thing if they're coming to you saying, hey, how did you do this? Or, you know, what do you think about this? But we like to you know, convey all of our, you know, all knowing wisdom <laughs> onto people. Yes. Insert ourselves. Right. And again, I think as grandmas, <clears throat> aren't we always projecting out and worrying about what, what's going to happen with these kids? We might even do it more as, in the grandparenting fra- phase than in the parenting phase, because we have so much more wisdom about all the things that could go wrong. And so, yeah, I think that, oh, we just, we, struggle so much with wanting to control the things that we can't control like we don't we cannot control no if we even if we did it all right we can't keep these precious little people safe and happy and free from all pain that's really what we're trying to do right but and and I can say from experience I have tried to control things in hundreds maybe thousands of ways and yet I've never been able <clears throat> to safeguard my family from heartache I have such great intentions and yet when I try to control I only I do the opposite I make us all miserable and that's that's really the uh, the, the message of control girl is taking control is not going to make anybody happy mm, that's that is so true. And yet we think the more control we have, the happier we're going to be. And it's, it's actually just the opposite. Well, you have an intentional structure with your book, Control Girl, and we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more of how the book is designed to be used and how you can actually use it through um, Bible studies and life groups and um, just sitting down with a girlfriend. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with Girlfriend at Radio. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. 
My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. The journal Pediatrics reports on teens developing heart problems, cardiovascular disease, and diabetes, and it is shocking. The study shows that diabetes has jumped from 9% a decade ago to a dreadful 23% today. That's nearly a quarter of all teens at risk of needing daily insulin injections to control their blood sugar levels. With around one-third of all adolescents either overweight or obese, risk factors for heart disease look just as bad. Half of overweight and nearly two-thirds of obese teens are already showing risk factors for heart disease, such as high blood pressure, high cholesterol, or diabetes risks. It's time to take teenage and childhood obesity seriously and to promote lifestyles of daily exercise and healthy eating for our children. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we have been talking with Shannon Popkin, and she's the author of Control Girl, Lessons on Surrendering Your Burden of Control from Seven Women in the Bible. And Shannon, I just have to go back to the very beginning when I, you and I were talking about our husbands and how we were both the social queens <laughs> and uh, <laughs> did not figure that out. And I, I did want to just go back to um, what what happened for me, even though I said it, it, it took a year was to to realize that God gave me this incredible man that you know you always hear oh you you marry the opposite so they complete you <laughs> and sometimes I think you marry the opposite so just so you can chisel each other closer to, mm-hmm. to Christ and be able to see um, you know your obnoxious behavior <laughs> it's like you know so looking there going oh okay I, I don't always have to you know have my way with every single aspect of my life but it it, it is interesting how that has been such an incredible experience as you know now um we i have to get up early as well so you know just your <laughs> my lifestyle changed in that way but how you mesh together and figure that out and when you truly do keep Christ the center um how all of that becomes comical even at the time like you said you know just the anger that was there and uh, it's just neat and it's it's beautiful. And for those of you who are in that season of your of your marriage, when you truly just keep putting Christ in the center, it, it just turns out to be such a beautiful blessing when you can get through some of those those changes. And we were um, talking about your book, though. I want to hear how the book is designed to be used. 
Sure. Yeah, I wanted to write the book um, with the woman on a time budget in mind so that she could sit down and do a lesson and have a complete train of thought within about 20 to 30 minutes. Because I hate it when I have to um, pick up a chapter halfway through and I can't remember exactly where I was. So the, the, um, each chapter of the book is divided <clears throat> into lessons. Excuse me. <clears throat> and um, each of the lessons starts out with a Bible passage to read. And, and so I really encourage women to read the passage first because there's nothing that can help us with our control issues like God's Word to open our eyes. And so um, there's a Bible passage and then a lesson, and I include a lot of different stories from my life and from others' lives uh, to help uh, overlay scripture and help to, to bring it into three-dimensional form. And then each lesson ends with uh, some application questions to kind of dive into my own heart and, and take a look at what's going on in there. And also a meditation. Because it, like I mentioned before, I think um, that the change, you know, we, we all say God is in control. I don't know anybody who says, no, God isn't in control. <laughs> but we live like we're the ones in control. And so I think we have to uh, retrain our minds to think correctly and to think about God correctly and to think about ourselves correctly. So these meditations uh, can be used maybe the following day or, or hold on to one that means a lot to you and rehearse it over and over and over and retrain your mind <clears throat> with the truth. That's kind of what I designed uh, for the meditations. It, it, I I love how you, you are putting the meditation in the book because when you are meditating, especially meditating over scripture and that is what you're like, basically your tool that you're putting in, in your, you know, your arsenal in your toolbox mm -hmm. that it's really hard to get angry and then try to lash out because somebody didn't do something that didn't meet your expectations when you have been meditating and really, you know, diving into, to God's word. And so that, that is, um, a neat design that you have there. And I, I'm switching gears because I, I just thought of, uh, tell us the story of your son and the broken video game remote. Sure. Yeah. So I bought this video game controller at a garage sale. And when I brought it home, I realized it did not work. So I thought, well, I'll keep it um, because it was solving this big problem that we had. At that point, my older two, whenever they were playing video games, the little guy, Cade, who was about two at the time, would be crawling all over them, trying to wrestle their controllers out of their hands. Have you ever had that happen? <laughs> with little kids at, at your home, yeah. And so um, they would give him the broken one and so, settle him in his little beanbag chair, and he was completely content. He's, like, pushing the buttons and watching the screen. And and uh, first of all, it was broken, like I said, but they didn't even bother to plug it in. And, and he was happy about that. He was completely fine. And I think that's, you know, such a good picture of me in life because as I see everything playing out, as I see my kids growing, up and my, my husband and the people that I love and the situations that matter to me, I feel like I'm the one pushing the buttons. I feel like I'm the one making it all happen. Uh, and then there are these moments that God just shows me, you know what, you're not even plugged in. <laughs> you think you're, you're, you have the controller of the whole world in your hands. And he leans down low from heaven and dangles the itsy-bitsy cord of my broken controller in front of me and says, you know what, why don't you give that thing to me? You know, he's not taunting 
wanting me. It's an invitation. He doesn't want me to be miserable. He doesn't want me to be frustrated and angry and stressed out trying to control everything in my life. He wants for me to recognize he's in control and I am not, and I can rest in that. Mm-hmm. I, I love the visual there that, and you know, if we don't truly try to surrender this when our kids are younger, it does become harder and harder and harder. And you're probably even seeing that with your teens because they come on with these stories of what boy they like or what girl they like. And you immediately want to even control that. It's like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that yep. one, I, it's not going to happen there. And they, you know, They'll stop t- even telling you the stories if you control or, you know, I know for me, I make everything into a lesson. They come home, they start talking, and now they preface it. Mom, I just want to tell you about my day. I don't need you to turn it into a lesson. And I go, wow. So, you know, we have a tendency to even take scripture and control through scripture. Just I can I can so relate to you. All of those things are things that I have done and I do. And But let me just say, say something about parenting as it relates to control because I think we are supposed to take responsibility. We're supposed to be in control when our kids are little, when they're newborns, right? But by the time that they are growing up, but I mean, set the, set the line at 18 years old, when they are, are legally an adult, that's when we have to be letting go of control. And so it's a gradual process of holding responsibility for them when they're little, and then little by little, giving up control of more and more areas um, every day, like deciding, is this something I need to take responsibility for, or is this something I need to lay down and, and give over to God? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we're, we're not asking and begging God for that discernment, we do have a tendency just to keep holding on. And then we're not allowing them to be independent. And, you know, we hear it over and over again. The the kids go away to college and all of a sudden, you know, I, I know I went to a Christian college and I saw a lot of my Christian friends that they now have this freedom because they've had very controlling parents and they kind of go crazy with it. And if we're not just, I know that's one thing I keep, my husband and I both keep going, these are your choices. Like you can either do this or you can go down this path and uh, I, I know I, I've even had a hard time with some of my friends cause I don't have a curfew, but I just feel like open dialogue all the time. So when they're telling you everything, it's like, I know where they are. And, and so far it hasn't been an issue. And I keep saying, if you're, if your trust bank is full, then I'm just going to keep trusting you. So some of that is, you need to make these, you know, the right choices. I'm not going to control that even when it comes down to a curfew. Yeah, well, and and I think that takes wisdom, too, with each individual child and where they are. You know, maybe one of your kids at some point will need a curfew, you know, and that's when you step in and, and take responsibility. And other times 
maybe that child will grow out of that need for a curfew. And um, we, we just have to be, as parents, I think we have to be sensitive to where our kids are and what where we need to take responsibility and where we need to loosen the grip and open the hands and surrender to God and say, you know what, he's yours now, he's on a good path, and, and, I'm, and I've got to let go. Mm. It's hard, though, right? And it takes so much it's wisdom. So- Yes. Oh, wisdom. Yeah. You're continuously asking God, please give me the wisdom. And then you realize, how am I going to get the wisdom when I haven't been plugging in to Mm. God's word? Like, where is that wisdom? You know, obviously I don't just have it (laughs) because I can see where I'm, I'm messing up. I had one of my friends said, if you don't go to bed at night and go, wow, I I'm really messing up as a parent, then you're not a good parent. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Wow. (laughs) Just because, you know, sometimes you do have to go, I'm going to mess up and that's okay Mm -hmm. because we're not perfect and we're human and that's, that's just going to happen. We have to just keep giving it over to God. But we have two more minutes, Shannon, and I'm I'm just wanted to end on one more question. Which of your seven control girls of the Bible surprised you the most? You know, I would have to say it's Rachel. I looked at Rachel's story with such fondness. I was so excited to study her life. Here she's the beautiful girl, the favorite, <clears throat> the favorite sister, the woman that Jacob worked 14 years just to have, and I thought of her as having this charmed life. But Rachel really wasn't very pretty. You know, every scene that we see her in the Bible, she's fairly ugly. And it all was because she wanted to control. She wanted to have a baby. She wanted to have babies and she could not control that. And she was throwing a holy stink about it. And I I just think Rachel's story is so interesting because if she would have gained God's perspective, I mean, she got to be the mother of Joseph. Like that's pretty significant, right? Here she's pacing in front of the empty crib, longing to have a life of significance. And she got to be the mom of Joseph. And she got to be part, one of the mothers of the nation of Israel. God is doing something amazing, and she's right in the middle of the story. And yet she was so focused on her little ideals, her little small-minded perspective for what her life had to be, that she kind of missed it. And I don't want that to happen with me. I want I want to gain God's perspective. I want to look up and see what He's doing and the fact that He's in control. Shannon, we have to we have to close down the show. So don't let your life spin out of control. Grab Shannon's book, Control Girl, and thank you so much. Talk to you next week. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.